1: All right, guys, so welcome to another episode of the Imperfectly Perfect podcast, where each week I'm joined by some of the world's most renowned faces in the entertainment industry, on the sports field, corporate leaders and inspirational thought leaders around the world, each sharing their own truths and their personal journeys. Today, I'm joined by none other than Jonathan Lipnicky, who is an American actor and producer, who is most notably known for his incredible roles as a child actor in some of the biggest films to come out of Hollywood, such as Jerry Maguire, Stuart Little, The Little Vampire, Like Mike and Dr. Doodle. He's also starred in multiple television series throughout the years, including hit show Dawson's Creek, The Family Guy, The Resident, to name but a few. Over these past couple of years, he's continued a successful career working within the entertainment industry, not only being in front of the camera, but turning his hand to producing as well. Recently, he's had two movie releases, one being that as the lead in the film Broil. He's also leading another indie that was released, Pull Into Paradise, a festival run. He released his short film Day, written by Teresa Rebrek, and produced by Andrew Kahlberg, who won an Oscar for Skin. He acted in that one as well as financed it himself. In August of 21, he went to Atlanta and shot a fun part in The Re-Education of Molly Singer, starring Britt Robertson and Jamie Presley, which is currently in post-production. So first and foremost, wow. welcome to the show, Jonathan.
2: That was one of the best intros I've ever heard. And thank you for, you know, that was that was great. I'm really oh. impressed.
1: To, to, to say that this is called Imperfectly Perfect, I always say to people when they come in on, I was like, you get interviewed by so many people who have been trained. I was like, I lead by my imperfection. So yeah. to hear that, mate. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs>
2: well, nobody's, nobody's, uh, nobody's perfect, uh, you know? So, you, Ex- you know, even the best interviewers, you know, it gets stale, it gets stale.
1: Exactly. Well, thank you first and foremost for coming on the show. And your story really fascinated me because it's, it's one from an external point of view that everybody thinks they know you, they've seen you and I've listened to interviews and everybody, you came to Australia to do some live recordings crossover. And I was yeah. listening to some interviews and everybody's like, what was it like meeting Tom Cruise and Renee Zellweger? Yeah. Do you keep in touch with them and everything like this? And I suppose the IPC is about what everyone sees on an external, isn't yeah. always Jonathan's reality. And I know you've openly spoke on so many platforms about dealing with panic attacks, depression, bullying. Yeah. So do you mind taking us back to the beginning as in your personal account of what it was like going from a young child, Jonathan, who with his parents growing up as a little child to be thrust yeah. into this limelight of, of something that wasn't your reality or your normal.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, I, um, I was born into an incredibly normal family um, you know, in a suburb in Southern California. The only thing, you know, that I guess really stood out as far as when I did start acting is I didn't live very far from LA, so that helped. You know, I was still technically in LA County. But, um, you know, I went, to, I went to Jewish preschool and normal, and then uh, I tried an acting class, you know. Um, my sister was doing an acting class, and I wanted to try it. Um, Seems like fun. I was very young. I was probably four and three quarters. And the teacher saw something in me, she thought I had charisma. And she wanted to let me give it a try, you know, I was a little young for the class. And I really had a lot of fun. And I think sometimes it's like initially want to do what your older sibling is doing. So I wanted to try that class. And so I did loved it. We've practiced these things called auditions in class. And I want to do it for real. And um, my parents were not initially for it. Um, In fact, they were really hesitant, but I, I pushed really hard and at a certain point. They were like, you know, we have to support our kids creative endeavor. Like we got to support his growth. So they, we tried a few, you know, commercial auditions and I, I booked a few of those. And then, uh, you know, my life changed, uh, forever when I, I booked Jerry Maguire, uh, I auditioned for it. I did not get it. They shot two weeks with another kid. Um, didn't work out. They went back and they cast me and, uh, yeah, I mean, I found out what I want to do for the rest of my life, you know, and um, that feeling is very similar, if not the same as falling in love, when you find something that you're that passionate about. And to be honest, my love's only grown for it. A lot of people who start out very young, they don't, it's not their choice, and they don't love it. But like, it's always been my choice.
0: Yeah. And it
2: will always be my choice. You know, um, I, I love it. I love it. My parents gave me every out after every project, hey, if you're not liking it anymore you don't have to do this but I continued because it's not only what I love doing but I, I truly feel I was born to do this and born to do this whether it's a time when I'm working a lot you know um, I was very fortunate to have some very big roles at a young age or times when you know I didn't work for five years at one point and I think a lot of actors are afraid to talk about that territory because they don't want to seem like they were at any point desperate or whatever or it's the glamour of like oh I was really desperate then I made it and it was all you know, a trip down easy street. But, you know, I did, I I initially did really well. And um, then there was time I didn't work. And, uh, you know, definitely people who I've worked with as far as on my team have have wanted me to say that was because I took time to be a normal kid. Part of that's true, but i was still auditioning. I was just a terrible actor, to be honest. Um, I was, yeah, because I didn't want to be myself. I want to be anybody in the world but me. And the Mm -hmm. most important thing you can bring to being an artist is yourself. And I was so ashamed of who I was, and I hated myself so, so much that, you know, um, I wasn't a very good actor for a long time.
1: Wow. I mean, thank you for sharing that. Um, so I've got, I've, I've got an incredible friend that I met five years ago, and, and like yourself, he started on Baywatch. It was Hobby Buchanan. Jeremy Jackson is, mm-hmm. like, one of my best mates. I met him five years ago. Oh, nice. That's awesome. So, so I actually learned that, what you just said there, about – you go from something so big and everyone knowing you to ultimately having to find yourself. And if you're not happy with yourself, you go on your own journey and then you're not working and people don't see that. And then you've got the press on top of it, who are kind of like, what's so-and-so doing these days? Oh, they can't be doing much if they're not on something. So I suppose exactly. it, it it's a journey that I even, how you come to grasp as a young kid to move into that area. And even I write down questions and I do my research for these interviews and I kind of flow because I don't know as a young kid, how you remember that many lines let alone for a movie <laughs> because I can't remember. Exactly. But, but what was your reality when, as you say, you came from a normal family, you, you, you were thrown into the spotlight with these big Hollywood films on the one hand, you've got everybody who's loving you, who's thinking you're this person from that, but then you're going home and you, you, you spoke openly about having your panic attacks yeah. was that something that came from being thrust into the limelight or something that you just developed an anxiety disorder or
2: ah uh, you know i think i would have been anxious without any sort of fame or anything to be honest i i think you know my parents are anxious um i think that i think that it you know i think there's a certain thing to that that it's definitely it can be genetic i think that my my fears are maybe different because i I've, I've achieved some sort of notoriety you know um i i definitely have had career worries I mean that's really what it transformed into but initially it had nothing to do with the industry it more so had to do with me and um you know I I thought I was gonna die for every day for I don't know five six seven years something like that you know I had panic attacks about dying I thought that everything around it was so irrational I thought everything would kill me you know like anything anything and it's hard to even talk about it it's hard to like actually admit that but like if I put it out there then and I have before, and it's like I would spray sunscreen, and I would smell the sunscreen. And you know, when you sometimes smell things, you kind of almost taste in your mouth. I thought that would kill me. Wow. That's how far fetched it got. Um, and and I was battling every day, thinking that I was going to die every day. And um, I thought I was alone, and I thought it was a very weird thing. And um, I went to therapy. And it got a little better, but not really. And then um, I started getting medicated for it. I still am. That's a goal to get off. It's so funny, actually. I was looking to get off it right before COVID. Um, and then COVID happened. I'm like, I'm gonna stay on some meds for a little longer, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, I think it is. It can be the right thing, you know, for people. I, I I hope this is a temporary thing for me. I mean, it's been a long time, but I hope that it's not forever. Um, I would like to. Definitely gain that control back, but I'd be lying if I I said it didn't help me, you know. Along with therapy, therapy is very important, but yeah, I it was really, really bad for a long time, you know, and it it goes through waves. You know, it's one of those things where I don't think like I'm ever going to be completely anxiety free, but you know, I, I do think that you know it's gotten a lot better. And I remember the first time I felt like comfortable when I was like, I remember feeling comfortable when I was like 15. And I was like, this is the first time I've been comfortable since I can remember. Wow. And it was really weird. It was really weird to think that. To be like, wow, like, I'm comfortable. I was listening to music with my friends. Um, and we were sitting in my friend's car. We, we hadn't been 16 then, because we got our licenses. And I was sitting at, in a car. I just had In-N-Out, which was great, great burgers. And uh, I was like, wow, I'm really <laughs> comfortable. And I'm,
1: yeah amazing burgers i have to pull you up on that one mate every time i come to la it's wendy's i queued half an hour for in and out and i was like what is this and i put it in the bin and i went to wendy's for a double no way you
2: like you like the square burgers man um anyway uh, anyway i'll let you slide on that that's a horrible judgment call right there but uh yeah i um i felt comfortable when i was 15 i was like wow i don't remember ever feeling comfortable you know, because there's always this, it's like my fight or flight button was broken and
1: smashed in, you know? Wow, it was so powerful to hear that. And I don't think it's when you say it's you thought yourself it was weird. I mean, several years ago, six, seven years ago, when I know you're into your fitness and jujitsu and mm. walk, although like I'm heavily into my fitness, but mine developed to an obsessive body dysmorphic mm-hmm. disorder. And I know that's prevalent. Like everybody, I was just, oh, yeah. I was having these little rituals where like I'd be in the mirror for up to two hours, just pulling myself down. And the reality was, I can look at pictures now and go, there was nothing wrong with you, but it shows you what your mind can do, doesn't it?
2: You know, I think that goes with anything, whether someone's in a bad relationship, romantic or otherwise, or whether they're doing, you know, have a struggle like you did, or, or like I did with anxiety, like, it takes something outside of it to, to be able to see it. You can't see it when you're in it, you know? And um, it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, it's it's hard to, it's hard to reconcile with that. It's hard to understand, you know, why am I feeling this way, especially when you're younger? Like, it's easier when you're, um, when you're older, and then you can kind of understand, um, you can understand how things work, you know, um, you know, it's hard when you're in something to see it like that, you know, and, and it's hard to reconcile, okay, like, I'm, when I was like, you know, a younger person, you can't really, it's harder to think you're, through it, it's hard to rationalize. You know, when you get older a little bit, you're like, you know, logically at least, this is an irrational fear. Mm. It's harder when you're younger because you haven't really developed that muscle as much. And you know, I think with therapy, the, the you know, good therapists, you develop tools. You don't become you you know, it's good to go all the time, but you don't become um, reliant on a therapist. I think that's the important the important distinction. You know, as far as like, you know, there there are th- in the worst case scenario, you become relying on them. The best case scenario, they're helping you with tools. Yeah. So, therapy's definitely been a huge thing for me. Right now, what I've been diving into actually is I've been working with this company, Altercall. Um, Ryan Blair, uh, who is a successful entrepreneur, started this company, and they do a lot. You do a lot of inner work, you do a lot of meditation, you do breath work stuff. I haven't delved into yet, and I'm at the beginning of my journey working with him. He's been mentoring me. And it's been awesome. It's been really good. I I journaled a bunch of stuff over the weekend with him, you know, letting out some stuff I needed to let go of. Let go is a big, letting go is a big thing for me, yeah. as it is for many people. And um, so like, you know, it's always, you got to always be proactive. I believe in your happiness, you know, it's like, no matter where you're at, you know, I know some of the most successful people I've known are miserable, you know, mm. and it's, I think you got to be proactive in finding that peace. And I feel like I'm finally on a track towards that, you know, and I think that it will all come together. I, I feel really good about where I'm at mentally. And um, I think I have some really, I don't actually think, I don't like using that word. I know I have some really great stuff coming up and I know that it's really meeting all at the right time. And I think timing happens for a reason like that. You know, I think like, like we were talking about, oh, like I didn't, you know, like I had a lot in the beginning and then I was, um, you know, I didn't work for a while. I don't think I was ready to receive the gift. That are gonna come to me later because I wasn't mature enough and I wasn't able to handle it. You know, there's a difference of handling something when you're really young and you have people, a lot of people around you, parents, whatever. But like if stuff happened in my early twenties, especially, I don't think I'd be emotionally capable of handling the type of um, career I want. You know? Yeah,
1: I think that that what you said there, and that you you you're pretty much gonna open Pandora's box. So it was Jeremy who taught me breath work and you will go through that and then you'll get to a space of surrendering and everything, you talk about gifts and then you'll, you'll come to the realization. Okay. So we're all spiritual beings. And the more that I look inside, the more I can become happy. And then the external stuff will start coming. So you've opened Pandora's box. Once you go down this route, then you'll start seeing things come to you. And it's amazing. And this journey with me, I've got to meet people like yourself and, for me, it's been incredible, but it's been almost a lesson of learning and the commonality between everyone, from yourself, yeah. from Dr. Joe Dispenza, is you have to start loving yourself internal and these mental health struggles, if we can turn it to a positive and use it to help another person, I think that's the whole the whole thing because we're never going to be happy with fame or with money and we need to get to that place. But with you, you, you speak about also, you, you kind of had this cocktail of emotional struggles because not only did you suffer with anxiety and depression when you went to school you also experienced bullying what was that like and what age were you that was middle school wasn't it yeah middle school wow you did your research hey, i'm good i'm good to uh, say that i'm not a professional <laughs> uh,
2: yeah man high school was like okay middle school was awful middle school was just awful i think kids are the, at the worst age then you know, yeah. this was like had to have been what 11 11 15 13, 11 to four. Yeah, eleven to thirteen. Um, yeah. So turning eleven. Yeah. So um, yeah. Every day was uh was a trip. You know, it was um. I got made fun of a lot um uh, for being in movies for whatever it was um. You know, a lot of uh gay slurs were, were thrown at me. I'm I'm you know personally um you know I I mean I think that's kind of, some of the most disgusting things you can say to people you know um a lot of my best friends in the world are gay and and you know uh it's it's disgusting that people are trying to villainize something like that you know and, and i think that you know it, we've come a long way with with stuff like that but it was it was disgusting the things people would say to me you know and i i can i can only imagine you know how it is for somebody who is struggling with their sexuality growing up you know it's i from the little bit of negative attention I got in that way, like it was awful, you know, and it's, it's, people are just so awful to each other, you know, and, and especially at that age. And it was really difficult because I'm, I'm dealing with this inner struggle of anxiety. Um, and then I'm also dealing with the like, Oh, I hope nothing bad happens today. Uh, it wasn't fun, you know, but it definitely gave me tougher skin. Um, in certain ways and definitely left marks in certain ways where like I definitely have a sensitivity to being made fun of
0: um
2: sometimes it you know I feel like I'm getting better at that but I can laugh at myself I guess it's the way in which people make fun of each other like I'll make fun of myself all the time um when it comes to like career stuff or whatever but I think when people try to pick you apart at your very core that really gets to me and I think that like I really don't like which is interesting because I act. I don't like attention in a lot, of, a, lot of the, a lot of the ways, you know, like I don't like negative attention as far as, you know, like making fun of. I don't like being the center of attention, it's weird. I, mm-hmm. I love acting because I'm illumin- illuminating the human condition. But I mean, like, I did not like being known at school. I wish I could just be normal. Um, and it was far from that, definitely. But you know what I mean? It's, it, I always look at it like, poor Lee, not poor me, you know? Um, it was a struggle but I learned from it and and stuff in life happens so that you can become a more compassionate person. And I think that without that, maybe I wouldn't be as compassionate towards others, maybe not as empathetic, but yeah, it was rough. It really sucked. Um, but it built me into who I am today. And I'm grateful for that, you know, and um, a lot of the kids that I didn't like who didn't like me, I'm completely cool with now. You know, I think that a lot of people had a lot of growing up to do myself included. I'm not saying I was perfect. I definitely like someone came at me I definitely like had a mouth on myself as well you know um but I think that you know uh we see this bullying epidemic and it continues to grow and grow and I think it's harder now especially because of social media and and it's like you leave school and it's still there you know and I was just we were at the beginning of, of any kind of online attention um you know and social media wasn't even really fully fully fledged when I was leaving high school we had MySpace, but it wasn't it wasn't to the degree it is today. And I think there's a lot to unpack there as far as, you know, bullying. But yeah, man, it, I don't know what to say. i uh, said it a lot. It's awful. It's awful. <laughs> People can be really mean, especially at that age. And yeah, um, I gained a lot of compassion from that for others. Uh, and I think that's the, the pro to that, you know? Did you have an outlet? Like, so how, yeah, how did you utilize I got that? With, I got obsessed with basketball for a long period. You know, it was like, like Mike, helped with that definitely I got obsessed I'd go to 24-hour fitness and play like three hours of basketball after school and because uh what I realized was um I'm sorry for kind of going on a tangent there about bullying and whatnot but um I realized if I was focused on something I didn't have a panic attack so I gotta have a panic attack like all day you know like really like all the time I, it was like my mind was playing this game of like what can I find to worry about next what's going to kill us next you know and um if I was focusing on acting or basketball I was good so like I always was looking forward every day to like oh do I ba- you know if it's basketball season do I basketball practice then I loved basketball practice then I got the sinking feeling when basketball practice ended because I had to go home and like I'd be doing homework and I had bad anxiety like I had to really be in the moment with something I loved to not have anxiety and it was definitely a prison you know that was there for a while until I it took repetition. It's like working out, you know, you don't get five steps overnight. You have to keep lifting and the same things with mental health. It was repetitions of continuing to try to work on these tools to feel better. And to this day, I'm still trying to find things that are better for me or conducive to, you know, me feeling better, you know, which a lot of that is Brazilian Jiu Um I do Muay Thai here and there. A lot of that is, is martial arts or, you know, when I get to work, when I get to act, it is, it is truly a blessing. I leave every day, going to set so happy. And, um, that's why I'm going to do it forever.
1: So you had an outlet, but was it, was there a point? And this is what I ask a lot of the guys that come on as well, because this whole masculinity thing is, did you ever speak about it? Like, or did you try and keep it in for anybody that's listening, who is a guy and is at school and thinking, yeah, I'm dealing with anxiety, this, I'm getting bullied a little bit, but I did not say anything. Was there a moment where you used to keep it silent? And then was there that pivotal moment where you're like, I can't handle this myself. I need to speak up.
2: The anxiety, I tried not to talk about it because I was embarrassed of it. The bullying, I mean, everyone saw it. Like it was very apparent. Like the whole faculty knew, like they were going to sit me by myself with the kid who was allergic to peanuts, uh, you know, uh and i was like that's not gonna help you know this is gonna make me more of an outlier you know it got really bad for a while everyone knew you know like even to this day people will be like man people are really mean to you you know and uh everyone knew uh everyone knew um but with the anxiety yeah i mean i, I kept a lot of it to, a few of my friends knew but i kept a lot of it to myself you know where i talked to my mom about it she was really um my confidant in that and, she was really, really patient with me with, with that. Still is, you know, still, I'll talk to her about it still. Um, but yeah, it's hard to keep something inside like that. It really is. Yeah. I felt like I was always battling this private war in my head, you know, with my feelings, with, with who I was. Um, and it's like, you're going through so much at that age anyway, when you're going, starting to go through puberty, where like, I hated who I was. I was super anxious. I, I, I was like, my hands would get um, eczema on them from going like this all the time. And they'd break and they would bleed. And, uh, that was pretty awful, but it's like, you know what, at the end of the day, it's crazy. Cause like one side of my life, I have the ultimate life that anyone would dream for, you know, um, anyone would dream about doing what I, what I was doing. And I acknowledge that I always was grateful. I had really good parenting in that way. Specifically. I've always been grateful for what I do. Um, I know it's, it's different. Um, but at the same time, like way separate than that, because it was a, there was a separation there. Mm. I had this whole other side of my life where I was less than like you know I wasn't cool in middle school. I wasn't it wasn't cool at all. I just wanted to make more friends, and I was battling with anxiety. A lot of people not liking me. I felt like you know, um, and the bullying that came with that. Uh, I was trying to find who I was. Um, I definitely had some phases I went through some interesting style which only added to um, the bullying but as it made some great throwback Thursdays on Instagram Uh, but you know it's um, going up sucks for anyone you know I mean there's parts of it that sucks there's parts of it that are great Um, at the end of the day when I look back there's nothing I would do different
1: yeah
2: you know we all have our set of struggles it's about how you deal with it I'm talking to this with, uh, with a few friends today it's like I don't know what those things are preparing me for I don't know why I had those particular sets the set of struggles yeah they're you know my set of struggles but they're probably preparing me to be a more compassionate person for someone who will need me one day maybe a kid or you know family member who knows um but Uh, I think that things happen for a reason
1: certainly do And, and two questions I've got for you is This day and age, one of the things why I wanted to start the IPC, I sadly lost a friend and Mm. I went through body dysmorphia and that was the whole premise behind it. But one of the biggest things is we see social media and thank goodness when you was growing up, there wasn't that whole aspect except MySpace. So you are showing your age first and foremost, mate. Yeah. That's a bit old, isn't it? (laughs) With Tom. Oh, yeah. With Tom the picture. but um. All these kids these days, and we see they they're they're posting highlights and they're making out, they're wanting this fast route to success. As somebody who was that child star and openly spoke about not working for a while and then working again and consistently trying to keep on going and finding yourself, for anybody through your own personal experience, what advice would you give to any of these kids out there that are rushing for this fame or this success?
2: Well, you know, fame's more instant now, you know, with um, TikTok and with um, stuff like that. and And I think that it, it's kind of like a drug. you know You get this high definitely from um, being recognized for something you do. Mm. And I think if you're chasing a high, it's just like you know a drug addict, like there's always going to be a come down, there's always going to be um, you know time when you're without it, when you uh, when you're starting to feel the urge of it being gone. And I think that if you always chase something for attention, regardless of what it is, you're, you're going to, you're not going to be fulfilled. But if you, if you genuinely love making content and you enjoy making TikTok videos and it makes you happy, Mm. then when success comes or success goes, you're going to be in a better place. If you're an actor and and you do it because you want to be famous, like there are a lot easier ways to be famous. Like, you know, um, and fame is one of those things that the more and more time goes on, I think it's way less cool. Because now we're in a society that definitely wants to tear people down, and we're all so imperfect. I'm gonna use that. Uh, we're also imperfect that if you look at any of our past, we could all be in trouble for dumb things we've done ten years ago. We could all be, you know. So I think that it's a dangerous combination of want, wanting that ride and that rush so fast, and it also could fall apart at any moment, especially now. Mm. And so I think that there is no instant fame without consequences. There is no fame without consequences. And there is no attention without consequences if that's what you're going for. So I think you have to really readjust. You know, I I heard a great term the other day, um, re-educate your ego. Mm. And I think you have to look at why you're doing things. Um, I wouldn't be, if I wanted to be rich, I wouldn't have been doing acting this long. You know, I could work my butt off in something else and probably do way better. Um, you know, if that was, money was my focus. If fame was my focus, I I would have done more things to try to be famous. But um, I really like, I really enjoy acting.
0: Mm. I
2: really enjoy illuminating the human condition. Um, I feel for other people and I want to be able to bring something to the table when I do something creatively where people look at that and it resonates with them in one way or another. Uh, Whether they hate me, love me, feel like they are me. Um, I think that storytelling is so powerful in every form, whether it's literature or uh, movie or TV, that I love creating. And I do it because I love creating. And if you are doing TikTok or whatever the next big thing is going to be because you love creating, then you'll always feel fulfilled to a certain extent. But if you put your emphasis on something you can't control like fame or you know uh when money to, to extent you know certain extent when money comes with that then you're always going to be empty and nothing's going to change that and that's why you see a lot of people who turn to drugs it's a very drugs and, and alcohol are a very similar thing to um to fame you know there's that high mm-hmm. to come down you know yeah. and um and and i i see why there's that parallel and that's why, you know, people go, oh, you know, why do child actors and actors and entertainers always end up messed up? You wonder why it's because you built them up to tear them down. And that's true, you know.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's powerful to hear. And, and, and when you mentioned imperfect before, one of the things I ask each guest that comes on with everything that you've gone through, what would you say ultimately being imperfectly perfect means to you?
2: I think that if you look at any journey and you wanna be the hero of your own story, story, you want to have a hero's journey, that is, that is the goal. That's how you should look at life in my opinion, or it's not fun. Um, what, why would my story be interesting if there weren't challenges? If I just had this linear career that just shot up and I was just in every single thing for the rest of my life, okay? Like that's not super interesting, Mm. but you know, what's great is I, I've had some really awful times and I've had some really great times and the awful times have made the great times even better. And I know something right now that other people don't know, as do you, as do anyone who knows, knows in their heart where they're going to be on their journey. I know that the best is yet to come. And it's going to be really awesome. And I can't wait to show you.
1: So with that being said, what is next for you?
2: You know, I've been focusing like my last, so I shot a movie um, in, in August uh, with Britt Robertson, who is one of my friends. She's awesome. Love her. Had um, got through a few scenes with her a little small fun part in that. But uh, my last two years, I, I wrote this pilot and it is, Uh, When you, when you're, I've tried a lot of things that I failed at. (laughs) This pilot's good. This is really good. I'm going to make this one. I'm going to sell this, this show. And it's going to be really, really cool. And I'm very excited for people to see that. I think it's the best thing I've ever done in my life. It's the thing that I'm the most proud of that I've ever done in my life, except for being a good dog parent to my dog. You know, that aside, it's the best thing I've ever done. It's the best thing I've ever done it's the best thing I've ever done. And I, uh, I really, I really can't wait to show the world how I feel. But, you know, honestly, like I think that's the danger of, of all this stuff is you look at a lot of people and it's um, I wouldn't wish being a role model on my worst enemy.
0: Mm-hmm. Cause that's
2: when you're going to fall far. You know, I, I come here and I go, everybody I'm so imperfect. I make so many mistakes. I've done some stupid things. You know what? Forgive me. I have, I'm learning and I'm growing. But the minute that you try to be a role model, Where if people want to look at me at like ever like that at any point in my life, I'm going to be like, don't, because (laughs) that is where you fall. You, the more you go up, the harder you fall. And in a society where a lot of people are throwing rocks from glass houses, I don't want to be throwing any rocks. You know, I, I don't (laughs) because we all make mistakes and who am I to judge others? You know?
1: Exactly. Love that. Well, you know what, Where, where can people find out more information about you and keep up to date on all your projects and everything?
2: You know, I'm fairly active on my Instagram, Jonathan Lipnicki. Um, That's where we connected. So, (laughs) yeah, Uh uh, you know, uh, I'm fairly active on that. Um, Twitter, I'm not a huge fan of. I'm not going to lie. It's it's pretty, it can be pretty vile. And the meanest people live there. Uh, (laughs) And then I have a fan Facebook. I update here and there, but mostly Instagram. I talk about what I'm doing. I'm pretty candid on there. That's my goal. People are always like, do you have a brand? And my brand is authenticity, man. My brand is like, look at me, I'm wearing a sweatshirt. I made this sweatshirt. I'm wearing a hair thing to try to look like an international, you know, football star. Um, <laughs> you know, hopefully, uh, you know, I, that's who I am. I'm a normal person. Um, I think that a lot of actors and a lot of entertainers have a, a lost um, touch with reality and lost touch with, with normal people. And um, I hope that you all can look at me one day and go that's one of us and he did it you know yeah. like i want to be i want to be they always say like the people's champ that's my goal i want to be the champion of the people i want to be someone that you can you know not a role model let's speak, but yeah. somebody you can relate to and you know someone you can go hey like that person is truthful and honest like there's there's such there's such strength in being honest and vulnerable when everybody you know is interviewed and they're like too busy yeah acting like their life is so amazing and that like you know um their opinions are the one that matters i'm here to learn i'm here to listen and i'm here to be exactly who who i am
1: love that love that mate well i just want to say thank you for sharing your story with us with our audience thank you for everything you do because it's not just on this platform i've heard you speak on many platforms about what you've gone through in your journey so on behalf of me on behalf of the imperfectly perfect campaign thank you very much mate
2: Thank you for having me. You've had some amazing guests and I'm, I'm glad to be, be a guest on this. So thank you for having me. Anytime. And guys, please remember to
1: keep on checking in, subscribe to the show where I'll put all the links where you can find Jonathan. Until next time, guys, please keep having the hard conversations because it's the hard conversations that saves lives.
0: To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at infoimperfectlyperfectcampaign.org at to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect Campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.